AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. It's Tuesday, November 2nd. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. The pandemic was a big inflection point for workers of all industries, but teachers were put in an especially difficult spot dealing with remote learning, back-to-school craziness, and concerns for their own health. Many teachers quit, and others are still thinking about it. Leslie Gray Streeter, author and contributor to the Washington Post magazine, joins us to talk about conversations she had with teachers that left their profession because of the pandemic. Many felt guilt, anger, and heartbreak over their choices. Thanks for joining us, Leslie. Thank you for having me. We've been hearing a lot about the great resignation and, you know, people leaving their jobs for something better, just maybe not feeling like they're appreciated. Um, You know, everything really changed with the pandemic. Uh, For this story, we wanted to focus on teachers. And, you know, we've been hearing that a lot of teachers obviously left their jobs. A lot of them are still thinking about possibly leaving. Uh, I guess we saw one in four American teachers reported considering leaving their jobs by the end of the last academic year. And, you know, replacing teachers is not so uh, easily done. Um, so for your latest story, you spoke to seven uh, former teachers uh, kind of explaining why they left, what drove them to do it, and uh, kind of what they're doing after that as well. So, uh, Leslie, help us walk through some of this. What were teachers saying about uh, the conditions of the classroom last year? Well, I think that for like so many people in other um, professions who participated in the Great Resignation, um, there were already issues 
beforehand. Like maybe there wasn't enough payment or there wasn't enough flexibility even before COVID. And COVID exacerbated a lot of those conditions. And people were like, is it worth it for me to return? Even if it, you know, when it made things, things were made even worse. And I think that for so many of the teachers that I spoke to, that was the case, whether it was feeling like, you know, we've always talked about teachers being underpaid um, or being expected to spend their own money on supplies or to act as, you know, a combination social workers and parents and suppliers of decor, all of it, you know. And I think that so much of that was made worse when you also, there's no separation for so many teachers who were teaching um, remotely because they might have their own kids and their own families, their own things to do. And there was no separation. Uh, the woman I spoke to at the beginning of the story, Lene Higgins, spoke about that, about she's trying to parent her toddler, literally find time to go to the bathroom, and she's monitoring a bunch of middle schoolers. Right. And added to everything else she's trying to do, it just was not. It was She was suicidal. She said she was absolutely depressed. And for other teachers, for instance, um, a teacher named Peggy, who talked about how she already had stresses trying to figure out how to meet the emotional needs of these kids beforehand. And she said she didn't return in part because she knew that she would be so distracted by trying to then um, address the trauma that was piled on from COVID, which was tacked on to the previous trauma they already had. And she goes, I I wouldn't be able to concentrate on academics because I'd be trying to figure out what was, how could I help this kid who's spiraling like the rest of us were. So it just was, things that piled on. Yeah. The first teacher that you mentioned, uh, you know, you, you mentioned she had a toddler, she had to take a bathroom break. You know, she found it so stressful that she had to say, okay, three minute break for everybody just so she could run and, and do <laughs> and do something real quick. And, you know, obviously you're in a zoom session, the kids are at home. Now they're just kind of sitting there and, and, you know, she, you know, it all bears down. Uh, I think someone you spoke to um, said it best, right. And, and you mentioned all those things that teachers do that we know that they do, right. Social worker, mm-hmm. surrogate parents, all that. Teachers were already wearing so many hats. The pandemic just added more hats to that equation, and it became really, really tough. Um, so tell me a, a little bit about so, the conversations that you had with some of the teachers, because one of the things that popped up a lot was guilt. They felt guilty yeah. that they were leaving the profession, that they, you know, something that, you know, they, they worked a lot to get to, something that they always had wanted to be uh, for a variety of reasons, but they felt guilt and heartbreak having to leave it, like they were leaving their career and leaving their responsibilities to the children. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that if you know any teachers, and I think you know most of us, we had teachers, and we probably know some now in our adult lives, um, they go into education not for the money, not for the status or the clout. They go into it because it's a calling to them. It is something that they feel they are providing as a service to their communities and to the future leaders and to humanity. And they go into this and some of it, you know, starts when they're young and they might not know as much, but the ones, particularly the career teachers who've stuck around for a while, they did this because they love it. And there is a real feeling of guilt. It's not like leaving other jobs where you go, this was just a job to me. Um, They take these things very seriously. Every single teacher I spoke to, no matter what part they were in, what stage they were in their career, said to me, I went into this because I loved it. I went into this because I felt I was supposed to do this. And so thinking of yourself as a teacher, like, you know, myself as a journalist, I've always thought of myself as a journalist, capital J, like it was my calling, like I had to do this. And then you learn maybe that's not it, or maybe you don't have to stick with that enough 
to where you are stressed or suicidal or just not thinking that you can get the job done. Obviously, COVID loomed large and a lot of these decisions and, you know, impacted it in many different ways. Some of the teachers even felt anger, you know, at this current situation, um, whether it be mask policies, whether it be crazy school board meetings that we know we saw, um, you know, a lot of them felt like they were bargaining chips, uh, you know, when parents were saying, hey, we got to send the kids back to school. But, you know, uh, you know the teachers had uh, fear for their own health as well. And you profiled a couple Absolutely. of teachers. I think there was two that had some type of severe asthma. And, you know, for them going, uh, possibly getting a respiratory disease, that's pretty scary. And there's one who was pregnant right, who exactly. had um, suffered a miscarriage earlier and was identified by her doctors in writing that she was recommended to teach remotely and she was denied. And I think that, like anything else, all of us felt, I think most of us, I know I did, felt some trepidation about at what point do I do, how do I do my job in a way that protects me and my family and that kind of thing. And when that one teacher who had already felt that she was not protected as a Floridian teacher after what happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, even though she was like hours away from there, she felt that vulnerability and it's under PTSD. So then she's like, are you going to take care of us with gun laws, with mask laws, with being able to stay remote? What are you going to do? And she didn't feel they were doing, she didn't feel they were doing enough. So she left. And once again, she felt angry. The other teacher um, I interviewed in Florida, which is where I lived at the beginning of the pandemic and had a school, a child in Palm Beach County schools, which we left and still, you know, has grappled with mass mandates and that kind of thing. The teacher said, you know, that she was watching these parents on these Facebook pages. She was lurking and going, I'm going to send my kid to school anyway, even if they get COVID. I mean, how <laughs> how could you feel you yeah. know, about that? Yeah. And particularly in Florida, you know, the Florida Education Association said that there was a 9,000 uh, shortage of classroom and staff shortages there. So uh, and that, I guess that was from the month of August, but there was 9,000 people uh, more that they could have uh, needed to to help with all of that stuff. So uh, definitely a tough situation there. And, and then one of the other things that came up too with the, the teachers that you spoke to, personal life outside of the classroom, which is so important. And when you're working so many hours throughout the Zoom, you know, can't even take a break for the restroom, you know, then you have to grade, then you have to work on all this stuff. Um, you know, even that personal life aspect of it, you know, when you're living and working all from home, you know, for a lot of people, that was a big shift. And, and that was also hard to adjust to. Absolutely. There was the young man that I spoke to. He was the only male teacher that I spoke to. And I got to tell you, a lot of people probably wanted to contribute to the story, but you know, you don't necessarily, if you're still working there, or if you want to maybe go back, you're not necessarily going to want to go on record. So I understood that this was a brave thing. A lot of the teachers did, but right. uh, these, Stephen Lane, these, said, are, you know, these are all teachers that have, have left the profession have left. since. Yeah. Have left. Exactly. Um, although he said, maybe I'll go back one day, but you know, he was a young man. He is a young man who's in his 30s who said he didn't realize how much he wasn't home until he was home teaching and went, wait a minute, I'm never here. <laughs> it's because my, he built his life around teaching. It's like the uh, line from landslide. I changed yeah. because I built, built my life around you, you know, and it was like I built my life around teaching and now I have to change that. So what are and. The- what are, what are these teachers doing now after they've left the profession? I know some feel they're in a better place and a new job. Some others have said they haven't necessarily settled yet. They don't know what they're doing. But most of them, I think all of them, feel happier with the situation at least. They 
they feel happier. If not, I mean, the, the ones, a couple, like the woman from uh, Palm Beach County who said, listen, I wasn't going to retire for another couple of years. And I'm, I'm kind of angry. I felt like I was forced to do that, forced to do this. But there is a sense of relief, certainly, with a lot of them. Uh, Lene Higgins, the first teacher I spoke to in the beginning of the story, is writing a lot. And she's running a business. She has a game that she started, a board game with her husband. So she's doing that. Um, a couple people like Stephen Lane that I mentioned is now writing curriculum for a private company. So he's still using his education um, background. There's a woman from California who's now in Columbia at a project that is teaching teachers and training teachers how to teach from a culturally sensitive social justice perspective um, with its mind on disparities. And that's why she left because she felt that she always felt that there were these inequities and disparities in teaching and that it was, you know, three days after her kids went back to school, they had a subsidized test. And it's like, welcome back to this place you haven't been for a year and a half. Here's a test that's going to determine what, how you do for the next year. It's right. like, that's, it's enough. It's enough. So um, I will also say, like I said, so many of these teachers, every single one of these teachers cares. Like they said, they care so deeply. And they really want people to understand that this was not a decision that was made lightly. You know, this is not a decision that they went, oh, live and learn. What's the next big adventure? It was something that was some of them held on to the last week before, right. you know, the schools start school district started till they had they would have until a certain time to make a decision. They would it to the very last day because they just wanted to make sure that they were making the right decision. And they ultimately all said they knew they made the right decision. You know, and, and to your point, you know, for the majority of teachers, right, you get into it because you do deeply care. We, we, as you mentioned, we all know a teacher or had ha- have had a teacher that made an impact on us. And it was because they made those extra steps to help you learn, help take care of you, all of that. And, and, and it was so tough throughout the pandemic, like it was for many people in many industries. But we rely so much on teachers, uh, as you mentioned, you know, it, it just it takes the toll on the person. And, you know, it's pretty unfortunate. So obviously we hope there's a lot of discussions on improving things in the classroom. Hopefully we get there. But uh, for now, um, you know, these are just kind of uh, it seems very uh, emblematic of what a lot of teachers were going through throughout that whole thing. Leslie, I appreciate it. I just, I just want to add very quickly. So many teachers have written me to say Thank you for doing this, even teachers who weren't involved in the story, because they're like, no one was telling our story and nobody was explaining how we felt. So thank you so much for doing that. Leslie Gray Streeter, journalist, author and contributor to The Washington Post magazine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. Bye bye. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. 
berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by Brain MD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.